Heavy Cardboard presents Heavy Cardboard Episode 26 Uva Rosenberg Coming to you from Castle Black just outside Denver, Colorado, welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium-heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and whatever else comes to mind. We're your hosts. I'm Tony. I'm Edward. So. Yeah. Hey, 26th episode, we have one year under our belt. Yeah, this is officially our one-year episode, man. so rock on. That's, uh, I guess I expected us to be here, but I, I, I didn't know that we would make it here. Yeah. I didn't know if people would like what we do, but apparently they do. So, thanks, guys. So far, so good. Let us know how to uh, improve our show, please, and you can do so by contacting us. Yeah, uh, heavycardboard.com is our website. Mm-hmm. At Heavy Cardboard on Twitter, where we are uber active, for better or for worse. Uh, Facebook, Heavy Cardboard. Our email, contact at heavycardboard.com. We love getting emails and, you know, whether it's telling us, hey, you guys are doing a mediocre job, a great job, right, whatever, right. or maybe something that you're excited, new game that you are you just found well, out about or acquired, hey, whatever. We want to hear about it. We write back, too. Yeah. We're, we, try and, <laughs> we try and be good about that, so uh, appreciate it. And also our, our uh, YouTube page, which is Heavy Cardboard Vids, and if you guys would... Continue to leave us reviews as well as ratings on iTunes. It's very much appreciated. Very much. Before we get started, just want to remind everybody about our wonderful sponsor, Game Surplus. Check them out on their website, www.gamesurplus.com. Velma and Amos are great folks. They have a lot of uh, terrific games in their inventory. Imports, hard to find things as well. Boy, do they, because they actually came through for my buddy, my, my other buddy, who got me one of my Grail games Yeah, uh, through Game Surplus. So that was very cool. So yeah, big Funny fans. story associated with that. Maybe yeah. we'll have to say it one time. Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, just can't say enough good things. Customer service-wise, they will go the extra mile. Their packaging is fantastic. Check them out, gamesurplus.com. So uh, I finally earned my gray hairs. Yeah, you're old. Officially. 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 As of Saturday, you're old. And why is that? I became a grandfather for the first time. Right. So. Congratulations, Thank you Mark. very much. Congratulations and to Chris and Stacy, my yes. son and his wife. Yep. And uh, welcome, Philip. Yep. We'll uh, get him started on Indonesia soon. Yeah. He, give him a month and then yeah. we'll, uh, we'll ease him into it from there. But no, yeah. Congrats to the family. Glad everyone's safe and, and healthy and ten fingers, ten toes and Indeed. that whole deal. So. Indeed. Now... The only rule is you're not allowed to, to, you know, let the kid get in the way too much of our gaming. Too much. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Little whirl. Right. <laughs> so, um, the game group that we started, uh, we've had two meetings. We've had the first and second heavy cardboard game days. Yeah, under our belt. Both were uh, 18xx related. Yes, they were. Um, that should be a hint for our listeners. What's coming down the pike Here's but you never know because we played forty six in one and thirty in the other. Yep. So yeah, and uh, this Saturday, yep, we're gonna have another heavy cardboard game day. Well, every Saturday, <laughs> and uh, but this one's gonna be there's a iconic local FLGS that's closing its doors, and they have a long, like decades long tradition of playing eighteen XX. So on we're gonna, Saturdays, on Saturdays, right. and we're gonna go down there this Saturday and play some eighteen XX with those guys, and uh, that's gonna be a different game, eighteen Arden, right. So we are going to talk some 18xx, but who knows what it'll be yet. Yep. 
so on that note, we had a uh, fan of the show, listener, David, who uh, came to our first game day. Yeah, he lives uh, south of town in Black Forest, and uh, sounds like he might uh, come more often. Yeah, he was going to make it this last time, but couldn't for yeah. whatever reason. And, and so, yeah, if you're ever in town, please hit us up. We'd love to hook up a game day, whether it's uh, on a normal game day for us or not. He was a good guy. That was his first 18XX experience. He, he dove into 1846 and... He brought some buffalo sausage. He's always welcome to yeah, our group. Yeah, if I guess he they make that. it where he works, so it right. was delicious. Yeah, it was awesome. And speaking of, of David's... We met another David. Right. Uh, uh, I forget his last name, or I don't want to butcher it, I it's, should say. He's it's, Canadian. It's Canadian and, Dave. Yeah, Canadian Dave. And he was down for a convention, and he hit us up. He emailed us, hey, guys... Um, I'm going to be in town. Would you guys like to get together and play something? Heck yeah! So we busted out a uh, a game of Kraftwagen. Kraftwagen, yes. And uh, had a blast. He and brought us a copy of Xanadu? Not only that, but the important stuff. True. He brought down a big jug of maple syrup. Well done. Thank you. Yes. And he brought down some uh, cool Canadian chocolate, that none of which well, I've talked about. Or so, and, I, I'm familiar with, I should say. And some uh, brewskis from a little uh, oh. micro in Calgary. Right. Or, yeah. yeah, so that was cool. So we, we welcome listeners to come by, especially when they bring us gifts. Indeed. <laughs> so uh, let's see what else. Um I know you're not going to care about this, but I do, and so maybe yeah, our listeners... i just excuse do. myself while you... Uh... So, uh, one of my favorite radio shows, in fact, my favorite radio show, and uh, the reason I got into listening to podcasts was an ESPN podcast called SVP uh, and Rosillo, and this coming Friday, or I guess since this is releasing Thursday, tomorrow um, is their last episode mm. ever, and I've been listening to SVP for... Six years, I think, since the beginning, just okay. about. And so Friday's the last show, so I'm, I'm pretty bummed. And they're not their normal ESPN blowhards. They're actually dudes you would like to kind of hang out with type thing. All right. And, yeah, so pretty bummed about that. But Did they cover one or two sports in particular? Yeah, mostly, they... mostly football and basketball. Okay. Um, but they also hit on everything else. Okay. Uh, I think there was even some mention of fencing once. Wow. Um, no, it, 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 not in a serious way. But oh, okay. <laughs> nonetheless, it's uh, you know bittersweet because it's been a good run. But nothing can go on forever unless you're Tom Basil. So, Well, yeah. my, my bummer is we lost Christopher Lee. Yep. I know... Uh, you know the the Hammer films when I was growing up were were rocking awesome with him as Dracula. So so, so what are those like super oh, super condensed sixties English horror classics? Hammer was the producer. Okay, gotcha. I, I'll be honest, yeah. that's that's yeah. not me. So. so gotcha, gotcha. So growing up, I mean, I love horror movies, and those were influential and scary. <laughs> to a kid. Sure, of course. Right. Yeah, so. For me, it was The Shining was terrifying at five years old. Gotcha. Yeah. Why they let me watch that at five years old, I don't know. Yeah. Explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. In uh, games that we've acquired, I I unacquired one. I, so, I sold my copy of Versendas Volk to somebody and maybe in the process recruited another listener. 
It's like, oh, okay, yeah. I didn't know your guys were in a podcast. So he, oh. he he gave it a listen. He was uh, he actually watched the Puerto Rico episode as we were. Oh, he watched communicating. It. Oh, nice. To, so uh, so there are people actually yes, watching yes, the videos. Yes. that's encouraging. All right, cool. I I my copy of Raw came that I got in an auction on BGG, which apparently you spent too much according according to Todd Cock. Well, so thanks for letting me know that after the post. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Todd. Um, Modern art. That's all I have to say. Um, I, I love Raw. It's it's a game that was formative for me uh, in, my, in my early uh, gaming days, and uh, and I love auctions and stuff. So it's a lot of fun. And I gave away my physical copy a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, a couple years ago when the iPad version came out. Because I'm like, Psh, I'm never going to play the physical copy again. Oops. Duh. <laughs> so I, I played the dice game with you, which that was uh, yeah, 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 that was really not good. Worlds so, apart. Uh, I'm interested in playing the original because we both love auctions, and yeah, so yeah. I'm curious to see because apparently this is supposed to be one of the end all be alls when it comes to auction games. Ah, I wouldn't just, say that, and I love auctions, but okay. it but, does have an opportunity for some uh, uh, less than savory maneuvers, or at least your opponents will think they're less than savory in, okay. in terms of when you bid and stuff like that so all right um and i from uh a listener i was able to acquire a copy of the great zimbabwe from, rock from on splatter's dude. bell and so your first splatter isn't it i have to think about that is it i think Maybe. it is i think it is because you don't own greed inc you don't own bus yeah, gonna, uh, gonna get indonesia and in indonesia or roads and boats one, so. so yeah and i want roads one. and boats too but yeah so anyway all in due time I guess, uh, so hunting, roads and boats? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, man? Um, well, I, I mentioned in the last episode <clears throat> that uh, this past week was my 40th birthday. Yeah. Um, and there were three things that I got that I wanted to mention, only one of which is really board gaming related. Well, okay. no, I guess a couple of them okay. are. But first and foremost, Amanda, um, I don't want to say get, gave me permission, but her gift to me was saying, here's a credit card. Go build your own computer. Cool. Trick it out. Have a nice gaming rig. Plus, if I ever do any of the video editing, et cetera, et cetera. But with news of Fallout 4 yesterday, perfect timing. So nice. that's good. Um, my good buddy, Jody, uh, up in Canada, is my best friend who he and I uh, play poker together back in the day, et cetera, et cetera. And we've stayed close. Mm-hmm. He was the one who got me uh, my Grail game. He got me a copy of Turf Master which ironically I had ordered already from Velma. Yeah. And she said within an hour, Jody actually had contacted her and said, hey, do you have any copies left? Uh, I want to get it for, for Edward. She thought that was funny. Oh, I, I think it's funny. <laughs> she told us after the fact. And so she was like, yeah, you don't need to order it. <laughs> so that was that's awesome. Played it a couple times. We'll talk about that in here in a little bit. It's, a, it's not only a grail game like, oh, it's cool to have. Really, really fun game. Cool. Uh, last but not least, you, uh, my other good buddy, made me something that I think is is pretty special. Um, it's a little big, so I didn't want to break it out for the camera here. <clears throat> but it's a collage, a framed and matted custom collage of the entire first year of Heavy Cardboard. Yep. It has, you know, like uh, the box covers of every episode right. plus some others that weren't, you know, game-centric or yeah. whatever and couldn't... 
couldn't be happier. That's that stuff means a lot to me. Oh, I mean, thanks. don't get me wrong, games are great. That's awesome. Yeah. The wife getting me a computer and you know let me build that. But no, that that took thought, that took time, that took and well, all yeah. that. So I wanted to say thanks a Your lot. Your birthday and our one year anniversary kind of coincided there. So good opportunity Rock to on. maybe start a tradition. Every year we have to do this. I I, I hope I I have to get a bigger office after a while. So Rock cool. On. Cool. cool. Thanks a lot. So what are you hunting? Um. I hope to be hunting 18R Den after we play it. Um, okay. I, I've been looking forward to it, and the way Paul Chad explained it, I can't imagine I'm not going to like yeah. it and want it. I've been reading the rules, and I'm excited. Yeah, it looks great. Um, and also, and here's kind of an interesting one. I've mentioned before on the show that I have a uh, pretty fairly popular um, geek list on BGG of what we're anticipating, and, or at least looking forward to find out more about sure. throughout the year. Well, one of those games, and I'm going to butcher it, so I'll do my best, but how, try it again, how Spec Connect, I think, it's the number th- It's the number three in the Cole Trilogy uh, oh, by yeah. Thomas Spitzer, yeah, 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 yeah. and the first one being Rushafert, the second one, Cole and Colony, mm-hmm. and the third one was originally supposed to be done by Spielwicks as well, the first two were, but the... For whatever reason, and I don't want to go into it, don't know all the details, it's not happening. So, Quinn Games, Quind Games, Q-U-I-N-E-D, Quind, Quind uh, they picked, they decided to publish it. Awesome. Well, Kickstarter for Carson City just started today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all nice, you know, edition, has two of the expansions, whatever, right? Killer box. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It looks great. But the thing I thought was really weird is you had to scroll down and down and down. And then at the, towards mm. the bottom of the page, there's a, oh, and you can add these other two games. One of which is a, a new version of Xanadu, which is uh, the game oh, that Dave right, right, brought right. down. And the other is How Spec Connect. Mm-hmm. And there's no mention of it in the Kickstarter except, oh, you can add this wow. game. And I was like... It's almost like a throwaway, and I was like, well, "They're probably not it, expecting to sell thousands of them." But it just, it just felt, I don't know, like a tack on, like, "Oh yeah, hey, we got these. Let's put that out there too." So it's kind of a bummer to me because I wanted the third in the series there, mm-hmm. but the way it's being presented, I'm like, "Is it? Is it bad? Is it? You know, I, no, I, I, I just, I felt weird. <clears throat> it just gave off a weird vibe." Because of the way it was done on the but Kickstarter, it's just not going to sell as many copies. And you know, Queen's pretty big yeah, company. But you know, at least say something on okay. it about it. So but, what? Are you not going to order it? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe huh. it's forty euros, so it's not cheap. But yeah, we'll see. That's forty-five dollars. Yeah, that is cheap. Well, see, I'm I'm still used to thinking the euros <laughs> two to one. But anyway, so that's it. It's eighteen Arden and maybe House Spec Connect. Cool. So how cool. about you? Um, well, uh, hopefully we'll we'll just order our 18 Orden together. Sure, <laughs> right. that'd be cool. So I, I'm not really looking for anything right now. I, there's a couple of games I'd like to play. You know, I still like to play Elysium and, and Argent, but same. Not yeah. willing to maybe plop it down. You know, to to do so. So, um, so what have we been playing? We've we've played a few Go games for uh, Go for together. Sure. This past Saturday we played 1830. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting round. It. I can honestly say it's not going to be one of my favorite games. Yeah. I, I I played it once before, um, and it just felt a little felt like we were terrible. Yeah, well, uh, and no we arguments. Were. Yeah, no <laughs> arguments there. But it just it felt a little weird in that just there were choke points, and I'm sure that's part of the oh, appeal of the yeah. game. 
but I just it it has such a different feel as far as the track lane mm-hmm. aspect than uh, 18 Scandinavia, 18 Mexico. Even though 18 Mexico is a 1830 clone, sure. I just enjoy 18 Mexico way more. But so you know we're going to be playing it more here sure, in the yeah. upcoming yeah. weeks and whatever. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't mind the restrictiveness that we saw. Just you know. It's part of the uh, screwage factor, I think. Well, that know? and play better, I guess. So, right? right, and then that, <laughs> man, that'll make us play better. Sure. Right? Uh, we played uh, Kraftwagen mm-hmm. with uh, with David even uh-huh. recently. Played it a couple times. So yeah, yeah. so that's been pretty cool. I played Orleans several times with the wooden bits. Very mm-hmm. very cool. Which that looks gorgeous, man. You did yeah, a really yeah. good job tricking that out. Uh, Irish Gage. You Which, got your first play of that in. Fantastic. It isn't it? It, it I, is. I, I mentioned in the guild, I, I posted a thread in there saying, okay, now that I've played Irish Gage, um, we've played a number of winsome games. I'd say four or five, which is a small number, but nonetheless, it's the best one that we've played. And I asked, is this as good as it gets as far as, because I wouldn't be disappointed if that's the pinnacle. Sure. And uh, a few people, actually, a, a lot of people chimed in on other really, really good yeah. Winsome. And it gave us a whole lot of games to uh, go research. So if you're interested, go check out the Guild, Heavy Cardboard Guild. Um, and it's it's the Winsome Game thread. And it's we have some people that would know the answer to that question, you know, kind of in the Guild. And sure. So, yeah, that was that was really cool. Irish Gage was really, really good. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it is. Uh, Northern Pacific played more of that. I mean, another winsome, go, which goes quickly. How can you not play it? Less than five minutes. No. I, well, no. Okay, no. ten minutes. Yeah, ten minute game. Depends. Think he filler. But yeah. I, Interesting. I, I would put SNCF ahead of it though. Far and away. Then uh, after playing uh, 1846 a couple weekends ago, we. Busted out uh, the wife and I and uh, Tony Tony Kr some castles of Mad King Ludwig to like kind of ease off the high <laughs> right right so uh, that's really about it I've been uh, been awfully busy lately so what about you um, on top of the games that we played together that you mentioned uh, got another play of Brewcrafters in nice um, which I really enjoy that yeah, game fun it stuff. does it does run a little long I feel it does, like it does um, but uh, that's really my only gripe yeah. about the game. Yeah. Um, I, it, I don't think it's got the legs of Agricola and stuff like that, but it's I agree. Good but game. yeah, definitely glad, to, happy to own it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, eighteen forty six, eighteen thirty, Irish Gage. The two that you had, you weren't pre- or didn't play in. Were I played Turfmaster now a couple oh, times. Right, right, right. Played it five player and played it four player. It plays up to eight, and I do think that while it will be probably two and a half hours with eight, really, it would be fantastic huh. with eight. Um, everybody, I want to play. With, with everybody having their own horse. It's a cool, uh, you, you, you are the jockey. You're not betting on horses. Um, you're just, you are, you know, you're running the race. Okay. And you have uh, a deck of cards. Everybody has the same deck. You draw 10 of the, uh, basically a third of the deck. Mm-hmm. You alternate playing cards with rolling dice. The cool thing about the rolling dice aspect, because I thought, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. a whole lot of random. Seven. Move your horse right. seven. Although it is kind of like that, but here's the thing. The cool thing about it is one player at the table rolls their dice. And then let's say they roll a six and a two. Okay. They decide either everybody's going to move eight, so the two dice combined, or individual. 
So the 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 actual jockey would then decide if he's running six or two. Gotcha. And there's a lot more, you know, tactics involved in this racing than just roll and move or play a card and move. There is a lot of there's a lot more there right. than I thought there would be. And I'm and the the minis are are pewter. Yeah, they look they're, cool. They're gorgeous and just it's a lot of fun, man. Wow. Really, really cool game. So, thanks again to Jody for that. I really appreciate it, bro. Right. And, yeah, it was fun. And the other one, which I'm going to talk about more here in a little bit, is I've gotten now two plays of Maria. Recently. In. Yeah, one yeah. introductory, just the, the the beginner game, and then the expert or the full game. Right on. Cool. Yep. All right, Tony, let's roll into some craft wagon. Kraftwagen. Sounds good. Uh, first of all, thank you to uh, Uli for sending us a review copy of Kraftwagen. Very much appreciated, sir. Uh, we've both been looking very much forward to playing this game. We have. Uh, personally, I'm a, fra- I'm a fan of Matthias Kramer, and uh, particularly Glenmore, Lancaster, and you know he's one-third of the design team of Rococo. I, on the other hand... Really strongly dislike Glenn Moore. Sure. Um, I enjoy uh, Rococo a lot, and right. I enjoy Lancaster. Right. He's hit or miss for me. So sure. I was very interested to get this played. Well, particularly because the main mechanic of Kraftwagen is that uh, rondelle, similar rondelle right. that, um, from Glenn Moore. So I was right. really interested in seeing how, how you would react to such a yep. thing. Plus, it looked like that mechanic with a little more meat around it, too. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about the game, then. It's a 2015 publication. Matthias Kramer, as we mentioned, is the uh, author. It's published by Blackfire um, out of Germany, Blackfire Entertainment. Uh, I guess Uli was the developer of the game. Yes, he was. Know, even yep. though we got it. And uh, for those that don't know, Uli is Spielworks. He is Spielworks. So, yeah. Uli Spielworks, I believe, is, <laughs> right. is his actual name. <laughs> uh, it's a two to four player game, and it's going to take 45 to 75 minutes, just depending on if you got two, three, or four players in the game. And what's going on in the game is. You're building cars. Kraftwagen is the German word for car. So um, you're building cars at the outset of the automotive industry in Europe, in Germany, in like the 1920s and stuff like that. As mentioned, the main mechanic is that one from Glenn Moore with the, with the action rondelle. Um, but that is the only similarity between Glenn Moore and Kraftwagen. It, it ends there. So this rondelle, it is, it is the place where players will select an action tile because it's populated with action tiles that are going to give you one, two, or three actions. And when you're done, you, you move your piece to that tile, you take your, your action or actions, and you put the tile at the end of the line. So it's available for someone else to select. And like Glenn Moore, the trick is the further up the rondelle you move, Ooh, I want to move up, say, five spaces and take that tile. Now you've left five spaces between you and and the other players, so they could get some other the, the other players could get some additional turns before you go again. Because the turn order isn't set; it's set by the whoever's last in that rondelle. So if I'm last, it is my turn, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to go ahead and jump and take some tiles and take some actions. So obviously, you're always being attempted to jump ahead being tempted, rather, to jump ahead <laughs> and grab that, oh, man, I really need to do that and that. Uh, but it's like six spaces ahead, and I might not get another turn. Or for, ten. <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Don't go to the end of the line, right? Right. Um, when you do the actions, you're, doing, you're using them for several things. You're increasing your research points in both automotive 
and or engines to allow yourself the ability to produce, produce ever more sophisticated automobile bodies and engines. You're trying to hire some engineers that can help you navigate the automotive world by giving you some special powers, rule breakers and special right. special power. And things. they are real, the real engineers yeah. from history. Those are real German automotive yep. engineers there. Right. You are racing a Grand Prix car at a, at a Grand Prix track because one of the things you're doing is, is constructing a Grand Prix car. You're also sending the cars that you make to the marketplace for sale. In league with that, you're drafting, all the players are drafting buyers to go to the market and buy said cars from it. Uh, and as you're accomplishing the actions and, and making your way through the game, you're also earning some special victory point tiles for being like the first or the second player to achieve something. The first player to do two laps around the racetrack, for right. example, gets you know, seven points. Or point to tile, have a certain number five of... Five bodies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. Stuff like that. So those buyers, though, they come in four different kinds of buyers. There are buyers that like the cheapest car in the marketplace. That's what they're going to buy. I like to think of it as the most economical car. Indeed, sir. That definitely <laughs> sounds better. Right. There are buyers that want to buy the car that has the best engine. Buyers that want to buy the car that has the best body. And who wouldn't? Was, uh, hello. And there's buyers that want to buy the car with the most prestige associated with it. By you, Because when you send that kind of a car to, your, to the market, you can put, put extra workers. I imagine they're like polishing the right, car. And, or you know, know, a, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so what's, what's cool about the way that market works is in a four-player game, for example... There could be six cars in the marketplace. No more. There could be fewer. There's only going to be four buyers. At most. At most. And there could be one of each of the different kinds of buyers, or depending on how the players drafted them, there could be like two of the buyers that want the cheap cars, and one that wants the body, and one that wants the prestige. Nobody that cares about the engine. And here I am building great engine cars, right? And, and so when you place your car into the marketplace, you're going to put a price on it. And... Um, that price, not only do you have to pay attention to what the other players have priced their cars at, but what the buyers are currently uh, in, in the market at the end of the, at the, end of the turn. And it, there's really a, a good opportunity for competition amongst the players in getting things into the marketplace and undercutting. Yeah, I was just going to say, in undercutting, because of the fact that nobody can choose the same price. They're, 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 I mean, if you grab the six, right. there's no six They're left. tokens. Right, and so... You, it's either higher or lower right. than that, right. and it it definitely is a cool uh, forced mechanic of you know being aware of what the market's going to dictate. Yeah, you lay a four engine in there, that engine buyer is going to get that, and you priced it at ten bucks. I might lay a four engine in there at nine bucks, and now you got you got to scramble because with four buyers and six cars potentially, somebody's getting hurt. Yep, you know. Uh, obviously, the the rondelle is a very very cool mechanic. Did you like the rondelle in I this did. game? I did. Better than oh, Glenn totally. I, I enjoyed the game more than Glenmore. Um, low bar again. I know it's me on Glenmore. Yeah. I get that. Um, but no. Um, it, there's so much about this game that I liked. I like the artwork. I like the muted colors. But I yeah. like that. I, I like that art style. That sure, suits sure. me. The board is a little plain, but it looks. It good. is. It but looks good. I, I like the color choices made. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the Rondell mechanic is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It is different though. Um, or I, I should say that like you, it is different. It's the same mechanic, but the tiles are obviously different because 
You're not in, taking in Glenmore, the time. right? You take right. it off. There you go. And, and here's something I found interesting: was in Glenmore, you're kind of incentivized to balance your jumping ahead with your going slow because you don't want to have the biggest village, right? Because you get penalized right. if you're the least efficient. That pressure isn't in Kraftwagen. Do you it, think it, that's a better or worse? Uh, I, I don't know. I've been thinking about it, and I can't think that it is either better or worse because it does allow me the opportunity to focus more on what I'm doing and maybe go a little slower and let me take some extra turns, in, mm-hmm. if you will. So, okay. I, yeah, I'm really undecided. What do you think? Again, going from the I don't like the game, and right. I, I think... Well, you know and, what I'm saying, though, right? Yeah, I, I do. And, and I haven't, for, for the last, honestly, for longer than the podcast has been around, I've, I haven't been able to put my finger on hmm. what it is I don't like about Glenn Moore. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't mind whiskey, so it's not the theme. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I do think that that might be one of the things, even though I like a tighter, more uh, constricted game mm-hmm. um and uh, to fly in the face of 1830 uh but i don't i don't like that aspect okay of of glenn moore so no i like the openness like sure if and as an example if everybody moves and leaves you two or three spots available mm-hmm. and you're in last you can peg them off one two three hey no harm done right and everyone should be penalized for allowing me to you know, take those actions or, or not to be able to, to be penalized right. in that they didn't look ahead enough. Well, I mean, I guess the pressure there is not that they didn't look ahead maybe, but like I need to get that before it goes over here. Right. So I'm, I'm going to have to concede these two possibilities to you. Maybe, maybe that's the pressure. But let me ask you this. Uh, when you're doing research, you, you you have a choice of two cards that are face up. Right. And when you pick one, the other gets flushed and two new ones come out for whomever might be the next player. Right. What do you think of that? I have no problem with it. Yeah. Like, you're talking about the randomness aspect? Yeah. Like, whether or not that I have... Nah. Yeah, I, have I, no, I like that. I have no problem. You, you have choice. You, you have to. I would prefer... Just this is me sure. having two plays of it under my belt. But I would prefer that you could also, if you don't like either of the two that are there... Take the top one off the deck, rant, you Ooh, know, yeah. on top of that. That'd be interesting. I don't see any downside to that. A couple times it happened that same two cards came out. And that's my that point. That would have been perfect. And yeah. either that or, you know, maybe you flush one or, right, or right. whatever. Um, but, no, I, as far as the random, that doesn't okay. bother me in the least. Because you see what's available. If you don't want that, then you don't take a research spot. Sure. Um I don't find a lot to dislike about the game. I, I do wish it was a little heavier, a little meatier than what it is. So on that note, where would you... I would say on the lighter side of medium. For us, yeah. Okay. I, I agree with that assessment. Okay. Is there a game weight-wise that you would compare it to? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to think about that a little bit. But, okay. Um, it's not... Yeah. I have to think about that before okay. I, before right, I shoot fair. off the cuff sorry, on that. Sorry, yeah. sorry to, yeah, to, no to spring that on I, I do think it's a it's a solid little game, though. And um, it's a little too soon to rate it. Just you know, only have a few plays in there. My gut feeling is it's probably going to land somewhere around a four on our scale of one to six. I would... I, that feels right, but again, yeah. it's, it's a little early to say. But it's definitely above average. I think it's useful. It could be another useful game in trying to bring people into some other mechanics, expose them to, you know, a stepping stone and do some heavier weights as well. 
So I'm looking at some of the games I have up on the bookshelf okay. here and thinking games like maybe similar weight-wise, maybe like Yato or Viticulture, maybe? Different, completely yeah. different. Completely you know, different. But Apples and giraffes, I get right, that. Right. But weight-wise, to give people a... Yeah, I think I, so. I think Viticulture is, yeah. a, is, a, is a fair spot. I think that's a that's a good uh, yardstick, yeah. Okay, cool. Right cool. So that is Croft Wagen, guys. Here's Edward to talk about Maria. So Maria, published in 2009, designed by Richard Sievel, published by Hista Game, uh, plays two to three, or so they say. It's a three-player game. I, I, yes. I, I guess it can be played two-player, but it's. Uh, I know it's in the conversation for uh, one of the best three-player games in existence. They say it plays in about three and a half hours, which seems about right, give or take a little bit. Cool. So it's 1740. Emperor Charles VI has eaten a meal of death-capped mushrooms and died, leaving no male heirs. However, he has spent decades working to overturn 1,200 years of Salic law in Europe. His life's work, the Pragmatic Sanction of 1713, saw the monarchs of, of Europe agree to allow his female heir to inherit all of his property. Whoa. So it is that 23-year-old Maria Teresa Walburga Amelia Christina becomes the first and only ruler of the Habsburg Dominions. Prussia, France, Saxony, and Bavaria, however, promptly break their agreement to the Pragmatic Sanction and invade Austria. Maria pits three players against one another during the War of Austrian Succession, with the goal of each player to hit different, differing numbers of victory points. Players get those victory points by controlling certain fortresses as well as various other political keys. The game ends either by one player hitting their VP mark or at the end of the fourth year, which happens after 12 turns. One player plays as the game's namesake, Maria, mm -hmm. and obviously controls Austria. Another player plays as Louis XV, and controls both France and its ally, Bavaria. Lastly, the third player, he or she, is a bit schizophrenic. On the one hand, that player plays as Friedrich of Prussia, controlling Prussia as well as Saxony, enemy to Austria. But the, the same player also controls the Pragmatic Army, which is allied with the Austrians. So, these three players struggle against one another for military and political supremacy in a tangled web of shifting, vague alliances for anywhere between three to six hours. So, real quick, thanks to Justice uh, Pendleton for, for some of the synopsis. That was just too good not to use, i got to be honest. That was good. Um, so, Maria, it's a pretty simple war game as far as rules overhead. Mm -hmm. I want to say there's about eight pages of rules. Uh, it's easy to pitch to non-war gamers. Amanda, my wife, sat in when uh, the three of us, me, Brian, and Chris, uh, were getting ready to go through our, our first full game. Uh, actually, she sat in on both of them, the, the, the entry-level game, the beginner game, and then the expert game, which is the full game. She sat through both the rules explanations, even though we'd all read the rules. She sat in on that and was just chomping at the bit to jump in cool. and wants to play. So, right on. And I'm not saying this... As a from a sexist point of view, but let's face it, there aren't many women that are war gamers, right? And so, th if there was a game that could exemplify a good, 
you know, non-war gamer, but gamer uh, game to introduce, this would be a pretty solid one. Uh, has a really unique combat system, and I mean really unique. Now, and by unique, you also mean cool. Yeah, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. So the board is a point-to-point -point map, but there's an overlay of a large grid with card suits one of the four regular, you know, poker playing card mm -hmm. uh, card suits. And each power in the game draws a varying number of cards each turn in which they can use in battle. And the combat system's pretty simple. If two generals are on points adjacent to one another, at the end of that player's action, there's going to be a, a, a war, kind of, or a battle. Right. And how this plays out is the number of troops that each general controls is a hidden number that each player has previously written down on a piece of paper. And so if I start with four and your general starts with six, the difference is two and I have, uh, I'm at negative two right. to start with. And then we look on the board and see what suit each general is in. It's possible that your general's in hearts and mines in spades, or it could be that we're both in hearts. Right. Whatever the particular general that you control, whatever hex he's in, that's the suit of cards that he can play. So if I'm starting at negative two, and like I said, <coughs> you have hearts, I have spades, I can play spades. So right. I play a six of spades. So now it went from negative two plus six, which is uh, minus four. four, minus four for oh. you. And then you have to play cards to be able to counter that. Right. And then eventually one of us just says uncle. Right. And either due to not having enough cards or... Or just a sandbag. Yeah, just a, a tactical defeat. That's correct. You know, a small number, uh, you know, maybe you lose by one or two. You lose that many units, you have to retreat that many spots, but, right. you know, you live to fight another day type thing. Other than Friedrich, which is uh, uh, Richard Siebel's first game, or first right. game in this kind of it's, series. It's the of, ancestor of Right, the, the predecessor. Right. Other than that, I don't know any other game, period, that has this type of card mechanic. Do you? No. You know, Diceless Combat, awesome. Right. <laughs> you know. I'm a big fan of that. Oh, well, you and me both. Yeah. And my play of Maria was over a year ago, so I really need to address that. But I was really um, enamored by the combat system in Maria. I'm a big fan of that. And I'm kind of ambivalent about hidden information in most games. But in war games, it kind of introduces that fog of war, which right. I do not mind. Which, no. especially back then, they didn't have satellites. They didn't have airplanes. You don't know what you're walking right. into necessarily. And so at the beginning of the game, it's you know how many units, how many armies, each uh, faction, each of the three major powers or four major powers as it were, uh, you know how many they start with. Right. Say, you know, and I forget the exact number, but let's say France starts with 22. I have five generals. How I divvy those up, you don't know. Right. But you know that I started with 22. And then every winter, you're able to recruit more mm -hmm. troops and you uh, distribute those however you want, but no one else knows. Right. And so that that, that kind of hidden information plus the, the random draws of the cards, you don't know if I have... Maybe I'm staying in, in a club's hex because I have a lot of clubs and <laughs> right. I don't have diamonds. Right. And so I'm not... That's why I'm not pressing forward. Is that why, or is there some other reason that you don't know? I, I guess you can uh, relate that as your army is not quite ready. Yeah, you're right, right. To to venture forth. That that makes that's a good way to think about it. 
Um, so bluffing plays a big part in the political part as well as on the tactical map. Again, that bluffing, you see maybe a general moving up north. Is he going to keep going or does he stop at the hex line uh, You know, of a certain of suit? A certain suit. Um, and on the political part, um, the way politics are handled it's pretty cool yet very very abstracted but very streamlined way. Uh, players get to uh, bid every turn on event cards, and how you bid is whoever won the last uh, the last battle gets to name Trump. Trump, if you're familiar with most Trump uh, trick taking games, Trump is you know Trump's it's all Trump. suits. So let's say you know I won the last battle because you took a two defeat or whatever. Mm -hmm. I say spades are Trump. Everybody can play a card up onto the polit uh, political board, and you can play a, a you know a Trump or non-Trump. If you play a non-Trump, when it's flipped over, oh, just kidding, take it back <laughs> into your hand. But then if anybody played Trump or the, if they had Trump that they didn't use in the previous rounds, those numbers add up. Whoever has the highest score gets to choose one of the two event cards that come out. The cool thing about the event cards is I'm not usually really big on flavor text, but we read the flavor text every time one of those nice. came up because there are just some really... I don't know much about the War of Austrian Succession. Tastes like history. Yeah, right? <laughs> and so it, it was cool. We were, All three of us are kind of, you know, history buffs. But, you know, unless, unless you're familiar with it, you know, it, it's cool to learn. It gave a, a bit of a feel of Virsindas Volk, the event cards, oh. because the, you're going to move sliders that help or hurt certain factions. Sure, sure. You can choose the just... Nothing happens to it. You just discard it. If you win the, you know, the the political event, there's also uh, there's also the uh, the election for who's um, ah, total brain cramp all of a sudden. The there's one election in the second year of the game, which we actually our game ended before we got to it. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, but bottom line is really unique, really cool. Yeah. Uh, the, I guess there were a couple of downsides. Um, it's not perfectly balanced. Apparently, it's harder to win as Maria, as Austria. Um, they're talking somewhere around 40% for Friedrich, uh, about 35% for France, and the remainder for Austria. Okay. Okay, yeah. I guess. I haven't played enough, but just based on the number of stats you people know, are keeping for... In a uh, war game, that doesn't bother me. You know, I'm used to playing like miniature scenarios of... All right, we're going to play the battle of whatever. Who wants to be the losing side? <laughs> right. All right, sure, me. Sure. Um, it's a different kind of challenge. Okay. Is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. The other thing, and we, we found this, new players uh, apparently are, are prone to this, and we were guilty of this, that Austria feels a bit picked on um, in, with inexperienced players because you have Russia coming in. Wow. Prussia, Prussia coming in from the north along with Saxony, mm -hmm. and then you have the French... And Bavaria coming in from the from the west, mm -hmm. and Austria is just trying to survive. Yeah. And instead of us kind of diverting some stuff up north, maybe, and so Austria can feel a little picked on. And poor Brian very much was picked on in our games. Well, I think, I mean, that probably reflects the actual situation. Being in the center of Europe probably is awesome and sucky. Right, because you got to defend on all sides. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um. So I only have one full play, and then we had the the beginner game. Sure. Um, so I'm not going to rate it. Plus, I I do hope that sometime in the moderately soon future, 
that we actually give it a full featured review, sure. which will give us more plays. So I'm going to hold off on my rating on this. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, excited and looking forward to playing this more. Same here. Cool. And that's Maria. For this week, instead of doing a feature game, we decided we'd kind of back the view out mm. and kind of give a more broad view. And instead of a, a featured game, we're going to go feature designer for this episode. Yeah. And who's that going to be, Tony? We're going to talk about Uva Rosenberg. One of my uh, Mount Rushmore guys. Oh, both. Both. And, you know, clearly he's one of our favorite designers. And, yeah, like I said, we wanted to back this one out. Take a little time to discuss Uva and his games and, and what turns us on with respect to those things. And uh, so in the process of doing so, we're going to take advantage of several uh, resources that we found and sources of information. And so right up front, I want to call out uh, Wikipedia, of course. Uh, there is a, bio- a biographical sketch of uh, Uva on BGG that we, that we mined for some information. There's a, a 2012 interview, uh, Maple Town, Derek Thompson, and a 2008 interview also on BGG with uh, N. Ma. And so uh, thank you guys. You, you've provided a wealth of information. <laughs> Did the heavy lifting, and, right? Uh, and uh, so we're going to piggyback on that and use that to intersperse some of that information into, uh, into our, our thoughts and stuff. So uh, Uwe Rosenberg, born 27th of March, 1970 in Aurich, Germany, which is in northwest Germany. And uh, he got his start in game playing, uh, playing chess, and even uh, before that, card games and, and different games with uh, with his grandmother, I believe it was. Which explains a lot. Which, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I've played games with my grandmother, too. <laughs> yeah, know, so. but it, fair enough. Um, so a, a, as a youth, that turned into, in like the early, mid-80s, playing uh, play-by-email games. Which is crazy. That's just... I can't imagine how long those would take. Talk about downtime. <laughs> <laughs> but you can you can hide the AP well, I guess. Yeah, right. 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 <laughs> you know. Um, so you know, while he was uh, in this play by email or, or by mail by postal, mm-hmm. I, I hope I didn't say email. You, earlier. you did, oh, but okay. I, I, play by I heard. postal, like right. stamp, mail it, <laughs> wait. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's how he met uh, Hanno Gurka and uh, in '87, and later those guys and somebody else founded uh, Lookout Games, right? Which is still going strong yeah. today. Uh, f- interestingly enough, they met playing a game of diplomacy. Now this might be the first recorded instance of diplomacy creating a friendship, as opposed to ruining <laughs> them, right? Right. So. Um, Uva has been doing professional game design since he got out of school in 98. Rough life. Man, what a lucky guy. Right. But, I mean, I guess with talent like that, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out that way. And, and I'm sure Lookout Games is a great forum for him. He mentioned that it allows him to have a really a great amount of control over the aspects of the design and, um, and being able to nurture designs for, I guess, literally as long as he wants. Right, so right. he wants it published. Which right? I... I as a designer, I guess, wouldn't all designers, aren't their games their babies in a sense that they don't yeah. want anyone messing with them? Yeah. And so it's kind of an interesting take that he's like, you know what? No, I, I want hands off. I, I don't want anyone else yeah. for my games to be able to mess with it. He, he at the said same, that's what he wants. Right. And at the same time, 
he play tests the hell out of the games mm. from what he said. Yeah. Uh, he's talking like 200 different play testers for various games. Yeah. And just... So I guess if you're not going to have a separate developer, that's kind of what you need to do. Sure. Use the public as the developer, sure, sure. right? Um, one of the coolest things I discovered about Uva and his game design stuff that he credits the 18xx series of games as being a big influence on his desire to create more complex games. Really? I thought that was awesome. I, I, I missed that apparently. Yeah, no, really? No, that's no. that that so I wonder if that is where the switch got flipped <clears throat> kind of between his early games, which I got to be honest, I'm still fairly new to the hobby. I mean, I've been in the hobby less than 3 years now. And I guess I knew it, but it never really registered mm -hmm. that Uwe Rosenberg, until Agricola, was a card game designer. Yeah. Exclusively. Like, we're talking Mike Fitzgerald, you know, area. Mm -hmm. Just, that's all he did. And it just, I was like, really? That's well, it? And I I had no idea. I'll be honest. I hope it was 18xx, but whatever flipped that switch... Glad it did. The man's got four games in the top 50 right now. That's number three, Caverna. <sighs> number six, Agricola, which was number one for like three freaking years. Right. Number 13, Le Havre. And number 44, Aura at Labora. Which I am going to call now. I expect Aura at Labora to move up now that it's getting a, get a reprint, reprint this yeah. year, um, which I also hope becomes, or there, there's an expansion in the works, I hope, with it more buildings it said that's the one thing that game needs yeah it'd be great i, I love doing it in ireland and i love doing it in france but more variety is good something else would be cool let's do it in russia vodka and potatoes I, i'll just take that'd be good too. yeah man yeah. <laughs> hopefully uh uva uh he'll use that idea it's free you can have it <laughs> and please uh keep designing games for decades more sir yeah absolutely all right so uh let's start talking about Uwe Rosenberg's catalog, but like, it's it's too big. We can't talk about everything. And, and, so. and I'll be honest, there's a lot of those games I'd never heard of. Yeah. And I, I like to, I pride myself on knowing a lot of games. I was like, don't know it. Don't a, know a, it. A lot don't of his list it. is more bean game expansions and stuff like that. But <laughs> and, and honestly, uh, there's a lot of things on his in his catalog that we don't find that interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what what we've yeah. done is we've just picked a. Several games that we're going to go through in chronological order and uh, and chat about them just a tad. Yeah, because also a lot of the games that he's his earlier designs, there were like twenty or so BGG users that are showing it as owned. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we got nothing on those. Sorry, guys. So uh, let's start with Bonanza, which is his breakout game, the breakout. one that put him on the map. Nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, apparently, his area of Germany, his native area of Germany, is just like bean obsessed. It is, which would make a lot of sense. The regional cuisine is beans, <laughs> bean sandwiches, bean chocolate shakes, bean everything. He he actually mentioned that his father. He he re recalls his father spending untold hours threading beans together for the purposes of drying them for for a certain dish and stuff like that. I mean, it's. Bean City over there, man. That which, hey, go with what you know, right? Do you do you like Bonanza? Do you like beans? Uh, I love beans. Love beans. I love beans. Um, Musical fruit. Right, right, right. Wasn't going to go there. Uh, That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Try the veal. Be here all week. Um, 
Yes, I enjoy Bonanza. I, I wouldn't say that it's it, it's not one of my top games. Yeah. Um, I do. There are certain things about it that I really like. Like what? Uh, I'm good at negotiation games, which sure. may not come as a big surprise. I like to talk and you know whatever. I'm I'm outgoing. Well, really, it's it, yeah. I've been told. Yeah. Um, the main thing in uh, Bonanza is the drawing of the cards and keeping them in specific order. You can't <laughs> yeah. mix your hand. Right. right. And uh, I don't know of any other game that does that. That that aspect. Like, okay, if you draw it. There you go. Keep it right there. Right. Um, yeah, I enjoy I, it. It, it. It's a fun negotiation game. Um, it usually gets a lot of laughs whenever yeah. we're playing it and whatever. Artwork and stuff. Yeah. yeah. The negotiation is really about the only thing I enjoy about the game. I'm not really a big fan. My friend Desmond derisively calls it that bean game. Well, and, is, and I agree with him. Well, he would, he's not doesn't mean it flatteringly. <laughs> you know? Well, wasn't... Uh, I, I mean, Uva was known as... The Bean Guy, right? The Bean Game the Designer. Bean game guy. Right? And uh, there's like 400 expansions and add-on modules. and Which? Including one with Napoleon as a bean. That, <laughs> that's my emperor. I don't really like that very much. <laughs> riding his horse. Right. Uh, so so bean anyway. riding the horse dressed as Napoleon. Yeah, something. I, I'm going to have to go look at yeah. that one. All right. Um, Agricola in 2007. Now that's the breakout game. What? What game is that? Wait a minute, let me... Agricola? Agricola, oh, yeah, yeah, right. So so my question, though, is... So it's a war game? Yeah. It's, a, it's about a Roman general. Right, no. yeah, right. No, okay, all right. Uh, all stale, old, terrible jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we recently reviewed Agricola, so... We did. We love it. Not, not tons and tons of things to say, but yeah, yeah, we love it. Some information that we learned uh, in some of our research from uh, on this episode was that um, he worked for like two years on this game. So he nurtured Agricola for two years. Which makes sense because you have to nurture the land and farming. Ah, right. <laughs> and, and since, I guess, you know, 2005, he was playing Kalis continuously during that time, he says. And that, that was a great um, influence on his design process and on Agricola Which as, as itself. And like, it's got to be apparent. So like... When he he says that he sketched out everything for Agricola, like after his Kayla's binge, and he said, like, okay, we can just go ahead and publish this game now, except for he didn't. They played it for two years, and he just obsessively created more and more and more Agricola cards. Which would explain the well, 7,432 decks that are currently available. He said he didn't need it. It wasn't a marketing concept. It was just something he was passionate about. I mean, so Which... That's really cool. That's awesome. I mean, that's, you want people designing games that are passionate about them. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, you get soulless just bleh. J-A-S-E? Right. Yeah. Definitely not that. Right. So, Lahav... In 2008, 2008 right? We, we did a review early in Heavy Cardboard's history on Lahav. And that was, at least until recently, was arguably your number one game, correct? Oh, yeah. It's it's still one of my absolute favorite games. I love Lahav. I love it with any player count. Two, three, four, five. Just sit me down and let's go. Yeah, I, I have no problem. A lot of people are like, ugh, if you play more than three. I have no problem. Yeah. As long as we're playing with... Players that aren't APN to death, yeah. I don't mind even playing it with up to five. Dude, it's super fun with just two. Yeah, you know, um, 
the transition of goods from one thing to another through the use of the buildings and how the buildings have your worker placement and the blocking on that. It's just, just an amazing thing. Questions like, how can I not take that stack of fish? <laughs> I don't even need that many right. fish. There's but 12 fish. What am I supposed to do? Can't Go let for, you have them. Right, exactly. <laughs> Two wood. I need the wood, but there's 12 fish. Yeah, exactly. One of the interesting things I, I read was that Uva says he had the idea for Lahav before Agricola. Really? So this waited for Agricola to come through two years of love. And being published, and then a year or so in between the publishing of Agricola and Lahav, he said he had the idea for Lahav before he um, had the idea for Agricola. Huh? Is that crazy? That really is. So wow, that was a that was a good uh, good year span or so for him. Yeah, there's some even crazier stuff coming. Uh, the next thing on the list is Agricola Farmers of the Moor. Now this is the one expansion. I put on this list mm-hmm. from my aspect. It came out in 2009 just because um, it adds so much awesomeness to Agricola that I felt like we should probably just put it on the list. Well, in our Agricola episode, we had harped on that I personally have never played Agricola without Farmers of the Moor. Right. Um, Amanda has played it once without Farmers okay. of the Moor. She started uh, with playing or playing with, with uh, Farmers it. of the Moor and then played without it and says, yeah, no, no, uh, she wants it yeah, in there. It is just one of the best expansions ever made for any game. Which kind of rolls into Uva's, I guess, thought process or methodology philosophy. or uh, philosophy, there you go, of what makes a good game expansion. It's got four tenets. Right. The first one is minimal new rules overhead, mm-hmm. which... I mean, Farmers of the Moor right. is a is a stellar example of that. Right. It adds a lot of game without a whole lot of new rules. Right. The people that know the game can just go delve a little deeper into the game. Yep. The second one is the narrative universe must be expanded. Yes. The third one is... Basically, apply learned strategies, the new situations, or the expansion should include a new game engine. Mm-hmm. So, break that, uh, unpack that a little. Unpack that a little. I think, like, well, with Farmers of the Moor, I don't know if it's an engine, but it's certainly something your engine needs to produce. Peat. Or more wood to make heat. Because now, not only do you need to upkeep with food, you need to upkeep with heat. And that depends on the size and building material of your, of your rooms. And uh, so I, I kind of feel like that's sort of quasi new engine. I, yeah, yeah, I could see it. It's 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 a like a I don't want to say a punishment engine, no. but it's a an obstacle that you now need to overcome. An right. additional obstacle so, that you need to overcome. And it puts tiles down on your on your farm board, right? That you have to take off via these new special action cards. So there's a whole little level of new engine i guess right there you know so there's more things for the players to do to deal with these things that showed up on their cards that will now help them overcome this new upkeep that they have to to deal with yeah that's that's well put and the last thing that he said is the expansion should have the right price performance ratio as if it were a basic game in other words should be tested as thoroughly as if it were a standalone game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're talking 
back going back to Agricola, it had a two-year digestion or a gestation period mm-hmm. of hammering it out and everything else. Farmers of the Moor, how long did it take? I don't think he uh, mentioned that, yeah, but I don't know. I at the same time. It fits seamlessly into the game. Oh, yeah. So there's got to be a fair amount of, you know, development via playtesters in there. So I I found that cool that he actually had kind of four tenants that he goes by. Like, look, if I'm thinking of an an expansion for a game, it's not a price grab. It's not a money grab. Look, it's going to fit these four things. If it I have doesn't, standards exactly. To meet. I was right. like, whoa. Which I mean, it's professional pride, right? Yeah. I mean, whether it's you yeah. know computer programming, whether it's working on aircraft, mm-hmm. whatever, you do it because you do, you do it right because you have pride in what you do. That's exactly what he's saying here. Absolutely, and I, he's the first that I've heard that has not a philosophy, but I would say actual. Written in stone tenants, like, look, if it doesn't fit this, it either isn't going out right. or or it it but needs more more, more cooking. Right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, hats off to them. That's awesome. So also in 2009, At the Gates of Luoyang was released. Which I need to play more. Uh, yeah. I've uh, only played it once or twice. I know a lot of people say, I, you and I are not big solo gamers. I understand that. But I've heard that it's a really good solo game. Yes. I, for for what a solo game can give me. Sure. Right. I, I love the game with two. I really, really like the game with three. And I like the game with four. Is it due to... Again, I haven't, I've only played it... I think once, maybe mm. twice. Gotcha. Is it because of a playtime, like it overstays? No, with uh, with four, you kind of pair up at one phase in each turn just to make it go a little quicker, and um, and often it doesn't matter, but it just feels kind of weird. Okay. You know, but I, I don't mind. Is that is that a Tony thing or is that a? Yeah, with four, it's a. Uh, do you know? Might probably be a Tony thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I am a little weird, man. Well, hey, I don't like Glenn Moore, right? Hey. So. That's right. Whatever. Uh, dude, the insane veggie meeples. Oh, they're fantastic. Oh, my God. Uh, the, the, the cool, cool, cool thing about Luoyang for me is I, I like the little engine where, you know, you're getting your markets and your buyers and all that stuff and you're selling those veggies. But the scoring, I think, is just brilliant. The scoring mechanic where um, at, the, at the end of every round, you can pay a dollar to move ahead one space. And then you can pay money equal to the next space and the next space and the next space to keep moving. As long as you got money, keep moving, right? So, hey, to go from seven to eight, that'll cost you a buck. But you want to go from eight to nine, that's going to cost you nine. Then, so if you pay that, you want to go to ten, that'll cost you ten, right? And, and so, and it never gets cheaper. So you really, really incentivize to get your money earning thing going. And um, I, mm, utter brilliance. We need to play that soon. <laughs> yeah, this is a game that he. Says he play tested with over two hundred people, which is just nuts. And the funny thing is, is I read that uh, he knew it wasn't going to be a big hit. This, along with uh, Mercator, um, due to the feedback, but he knew that enough people would like it, and he was okay with that. And I thought that was kind of cool. That the yeah. fact that you know, yeah, is this going to be a you know a monster smash? No, but. 
I'm proud of what I did, and he, it has its fans. He said, and I quote, Lo Yang is the most exhausting game I've ever invented. Really? Yeah. And there wasn't much elaboration there, but, I mean, it sounds like just developing all those interactions with the buyers and the markets and the scoring mechanic and everything... Like he sounds like he really put a lot of thought into it and a lot of I wouldn't and two hundred playtesters. I mean, he I can imagine two hundred playtesters, you imagine the, the the wide berth of feedback you probably got. I mean I How do you just, narrow that down? Right. right. You know? That and alone that alone has to be exhausting. And maybe that's yeah. why, right? So you mentioned Mercator, that came out the next year mm-hmm. in twenty ten, and um, again he said he playtested that with over two hundred people as well. And as you and I talked about Mercator in the last episode, we played it. Um, a lot of great mechanics that you just don't quite add up it's, for what we're wanting. It's a fine game. It's a fine game. Man. Yeah, it's it, it's milk toast. I think I'm, is. I'm glad I got to play it. Yeah, there's some really neat stuff. But, yep. Yeah. So while he was uh, designing and developing the next game, is when these last two games came out. Yeah, Aura Labora. 2011 release, but a 2008 inception. Right. So while he's like cooking Orlabora, which is a friggin' masterpiece, I right. think. Uh, I, mean, I, I, it's yeah. Pushed out at the gates of Loyang, which is brilliant, and Mercator, which is you yeah, know, less fine. brilliant. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I just found that to be so while shocking. He, while he's developing Orlabora, here, let me go ahead and play test the hell out of these other two games and get them out right. for the masses. Because of the fact that he knew this was going to be a, a long process. Yeah. Um, I'm completely smitten by Aura at Labora. The only reason that I think, in my opinion, that it's not higher than Lahav is the lack of variability with the buildings. There are two separate games in there. There's the there's France and, and, uh, and Ireland, mm-hmm. right? But it's the same buildings that come out every single time. And so... Same I, ones in Lahav, too. But you got the special buildings, which the deck is about yay high. Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess there are some more variants. But yeah, and plus the order... To me, it's close. Plus the order in which those those three stacks in Lahav yeah. come out. Um, so in I feel OEL, like... you can build whatever's available. Right. And so I, I wonder if that's the one thing that's kept it... Kept it okay. Uh, behind. Enough. Because I love the, the spatial quality oh, of, of the cloistery. Cloister? You start with this board. You got to add land to it. Mm-hmm. Price of land goes up, by the way. And God's not making more buy <laughs> land. <laughs> and everybody's going to develop their own area differently. Absolutely. Laying out the buildings on there and keeping in mind that spatial element of like, okay, cloister buildings have to go next to cloister buildings, but I need to be able to plop some villages down there and score the village in this orthogonal manner. And some buildings are pluses and some buildings are minuses. Right. That whole thing. Coupled with the resource wheel, which we we went so we like the game so much. If if this should explain it, we bought a lazy Susan at IKEA strictly for this game. Right. So just thought I'd throw that out there. Just yeah. So you take thing. all that and then you put the resource progression on there. It's fantastic. It really, really is good. The my only complaint is the building cards are, are small. So if you're playing with forage, like. Can, will you have that one? Well, especially at your age, Grandpa. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> but I, this is another one. Love it two-player, too. You know, at HeavyCon, Brian and I 
played the long two-player game, I got housed. <laughs> I loved every second of it. I, never, that was his first two-player. Never played it two, but I played it three and four and adore it. So interesting what I wanted to throw out here. Lahav, the inland port. I have no interest in playing it because in my research of this game a year, year and a half ago or whatever it was, people had said that if I'm going to play the two-player version of Lahav, I'm just going to play Lahav yeah. instead of the inland port. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I really enjoy Lahav. I'm all set. Thanks. So I have no experience with it whatsoever. It's a 2012-er. And it's a two-player, and um, it was gifted to me by Matt, our buddy Matt, and and we banged it out a couple times. It's pretty cool. It's it's kind of spreadsheety. It's got a couple of different ideas, which is fine. That doesn't yeah, that it doesn't, doesn't bother, bother me at all. You, right? you get a little taste of Lahav, but like both of us said, hey, let's play Lahav. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a substitute, right? So, not at all. That was and, in 2012. And the funny thing is, is the next game on the list. Yeah, I'm going to say the exact same thing I just said about. Yeah, I, yeah. So 2012 also saw Agricola, all creatures great and small. Right, and it's the two-player Agricola. I've never played it, and I, I don't know if I even want to. I feel I, like I'm going to be disappointed anyway. I really like Agricola. Why do I feel the need to get a two-player version of Agricola when Agricola is fantastic, a with masterpiece two. with two? Yeah, but. Hey, if it floats your boat, go for it. And and people, I, I read enough that people enjoy it. So yeah. good. good it's got, it's go got expansions. It. Well, it's an Uva, right? But uh, <laughs> but he says that the game was intended to introduce new people to Agricola. So okay, having having no experience with the the family version right. of Agricola. What's me neither? Any idea why the the like. Why right. he felt there is the a need. family of right. I don't know. So why do you feel the need for an entry level when you already have that yeah. in the box? Not having played, I can't answer it. Sure. Maybe somebody can chime into the guild that has played. Yeah, it. so I'm I'm curious if anyone yeah. has any experience and and might have an opinion. Obviously, we don't know unless we ask Uva himself, right? Which maybe we will next year. Sounds good. Cool. So uh, 2013. So this, this this right well I guess going back to 2012 is the point at which it started to become a little hit or miss more miss than hit as far as me I'm going to totally disagree with which you. is which is fine but so Glass Road was right. the was the first one on the list from 2013 I I really enjoy the game I think it's under underappreciated. It's not a great game, you know. It's not OEL or anything like that. But that card mechanic, Th- that that's what I was about to can, say. Where you is, can follow along, right? The 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 card play in that game, I think, is stellar. If it's I'm fantastic. smart and I'm paying attention, I'm getting five actions this turn, as opposed to three. just your normal three. Right. For me, I guess where. It plays quickly. It doesn't overstay. Yeah. In fact, it almost plays too quickly in a sense that you're like, should it go on a little bit longer? So I love the card play. I enjoy the short play time. That's fine. I just, I don't like just the the way the, the, the buildings and the resources work. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just. Wow. It just falls a little flat. I couldn't for me. disagree more. Okay. Just the spatial element, it's different in terms of. 
you have ponds and forests and sand pits and mm -hmm. things that you can rip up forests and things like that. You are putting buildings out there. Um, I love I love those rondel wheels. Each player's got two. One for the production of, of glass and one for the production for of bricks. Brick. Right. And they each one, you know, you keep track of the resources needed to do so. But you can only have like say three bricks. And so like when you're when you're pegged on three, that's kind of an interesting tactic. You want to kind of get there so you can max out some other things so you can spend the bricks and make more bricks and I just think that that wheel is really, really smart. Oh, I'm not arguing. I just, I felt it was diminishing returns. Like, I really, really enjoyed it my first play. And subsequent plays, after about five plays, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of done. I'm kind of over it. You know? That's too bad. That's too bad. Um, it's not OEL, like I'm saying. I, right. I really dig it. I think one of the refreshing things is like, 25 points is a good score. Sure. A low <laughs> score. Yeah, right. yeah. And we like we like that, yeah. like in colonialism right, right. or whatever. So I have an interesting question, I think okay. it is, for this. So there was a combination of buildings in which there was a infinite loop possible, sure, sure. right? This year, as you said, started maybe a decline. It also started this appearance of these infinite loops in several games. So, and... I, I'm not asking you this expecting you to have an answer, but it's just kind of a, okay, so this man prides himself on extensively playtesting, having all these playtesters mm -hmm. and all this. How does something like that come through then? Is he, is he playtesting less, and so these things are slipping through the cracks, or... Yeah, what? Maybe. I, I, I'm, and I'm not. I'm not. I don't mean this to come across as accusatory. Sure, sure. It's just okay. You look at all this. You know, the man prided himself so much on on playtesting mm -hmm. all these for so long. How I, you know, but then again, at the same time, you look at say Magic: The Gathering. There are certain yeah. well, no, 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 but but hear me out. There are cards that get banned from tournament play because oh wait, those are overpowered. Oops. Maybe there's just the amount of playtesters is going to be much, much smaller than the amount of players that actually play the game. Yeah. So maybe it's that. But I just I find it interesting that there there are these loops that you said that have popped up all yeah, of a sudden. Right, right. Yeah, so that's I wonder a, that's what causes it. A, that's an excellent point. And um I I don't know. I I know that in this game particularly, the odds of that particular thing coming up are Minuscule, sure. Just because and, the way buildings come out, and everything. sure. I get that. It's just I, I find it interesting. Yeah, that's I all. Too. I just figure that it should at least be brought up and asked. So another game, 2013. Mm -hmm. Another game with an infinite loop possibility is uh, Caverna the Cave Farmers, or as he originally referred to it, Agricola Cave Farmers. You first. Okay. <laughs> I love this game. Uh, Matt and I both. It's um, we we play two player, like an hour, boom, and, and we've had a we've had a lot of fun. Is it too open? Yeah. Uh, uh, bite me. <laughs> I really don't care. That that's that, my problem. That's with it. less challenging. Doesn't necessarily mean it's less fun. There's two kinds of fun I'm I'm experiencing. Like with Agricola, that's fun. That's work fun. With Caverna, this is this is play fun. That that's what it is. I think it's a me problem. Um, that more so than it is Caverna. I had, I expected kind of Agricola 
Um, and this isn't. I can understand. And 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 that's a that's a perception problem. Maybe I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's a perception problem because I just <clears throat> that's what I wanted it to be. That's what I assume, or whether that's the way it was presented as Agricola 2.0. I think a lot of people. I don't. I don't know what, right. what the presentation from Uva or Lookout Games was. I think people just assumed and gravitated to two point Agricola 2.0. And we with do that. that. And, and the, the internet does exist. Sure, sure. The reason I, I'm uh, on it is it's just too open. There's no huh. the 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 one of the premises in our you know worker uh, worker placement or action drafting is there must be denial. Yeah. And there are plenty of ways around various things. And so to some degree. I can deny you many things. There are several opportunities for you to get other things. Right. And oh oh you're blocking me from that? This is equally good. I'll go do this. That's fine. Not in every case. More often than not. My my point anyway. is is I expected it to be tighter than it was sure. And so it's hard for me to get past that. Right. And so because of that, seeing it ranked up there higher than Agricola just makes me want to, you know, wow. torture small animals. Nah, Not really, but you get the idea. That's just the the masses. I understand. Yeah. I yeah. just Agricola is so good. Yeah, don't, absolutely. Like, hey, Tony, you want to play Agricola or Caverna? Agricola, right? Hey, Tony, there, you want to play Caverna with me? Absolutely. That actually. Yes, that that <laughs> you know, sums it up well. Let me tell you one thing. I think Caverna kills Agricola in the spatial, like your own board with the farm and the mine and stuff I like that. That's cool. Sure, destroyed. I don't yes. know about that. No, I don't know. Yeah. I, I no. Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, yeah. So um, so yeah, I, I figured that Caverna would be the one big divergent area for you and I. Um, but we're not that divergent. I just don't mind playing it because I extract a different kind of fun from it. And I had... It's hard for me to get past my expectations. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to ask me, hey, do you want to play Agricola or Caverna in almost any other four-player game or whatever? Yes, the other game. Right. Um, and I I do find it humorous that that plays... Eight. S- seven. Eight. Seven. No, I mean, Who's going to do that? Is it? I wonder if they did that just to be able to add more stuff into the box. Because oh look, look at the huge box that well, you're look, getting all this stuff. Here's another twenty five dollars. Here's seven players that you know what that's yeah. good for a three and a four player game of Caverna. <laughs> yeah, but you can't do that. I know, but oh my god, I would rather I'd rather go to work than uh, than play seven player Caverna. Yeah, probably. Okay. So uh, Patchwork came out in 2014, another like just two-player game. Neither of us have played. I know. And both of us want to play it. It's it was supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, it was played at HeavyCon. At HeavyCon, Tony, Tony played it. Um, the other but Tony. just it hasn't worked out. Yeah. Oh, it's one to try. I, I, I it, for the the folks on Twitter and on Facebook and everybody, I the next time I hear something negative said about Patchwork will be the first time. Really? Legitimately. I have not heard a single negative about that game. So also in twenty fourteen, another two player only, The Fields of Arla. Fantastic. I really, really like well, I shouldn't say fantastic. Really good game. Yeah. Um, it's the story is set in the village that Uva's father grew up in, which is just parents got married there and everything. Like all those things mean something to the designer of the game, all the elements of the game. I'm glad to that see they really didn't neat. get eaten by the dragon. 
Yes. The, the shadow on the Oh, yes, on the that path. one. Yeah. Right, right. I wonder what that's about. Little interjection. Not sure if you guys can hear, but um, wow. apparently we moved to Florida because... <laughs> Again, the storms have kept up, and it's thundering and storming pretty bad out there. So to sorry. us, that thunderclap was audible. Yeah, I, I don't know if the mic picked it up. <laughs> right. um, this Fields of Arla mm-hmm. was designed for like four players, but he reduced it to two because of game length, and in particular, he says downtime between turns. Which is funny. This coming from the guy who has Put seven players. <laughs> Apparently, with extreme brilliance comes certain idiosyncrasies. Right. But good on him. Yeah. I, know, I know some people gripe that, oh, I wish it weren't just two-player. I'd love it's a that, great, but It's yeah. a great two-player game. It, it, it's um, a terrific game. It's supposed to be a decent right. uh, solo play, uh, solo game as well. Um, it's just, it just it feels good playing uh, it, it does. Fields of Arl. Um Played it many times now. Don't like it solo. I've mentioned it. Solo is like a training game. Right. And uh, the spatial element on that is interesting as well. And I love... I love all the paths. If the lights can... go off, we'll keep recording. Right. <laughs> all this is running on battery. Um, I like all the paths that you can choose on uh, in Fields of Arl. Yeah. Like uh, our very first game. Um, in fact, my first two games, I didn't touch the, uh, the traveling... And, oh, right. and the garments just didn't even bother, and I'm competitive mm. in both those games. So, um, yeah, it's it's I, I love that you so many different paths that you can take. I like the you know they got the the winter and the summer actions, and that they're they're different, you know, for the most part. There's, right. there's a couple things you can do in either season, and that you can break the rules. And, and the first one to go to the other season, the other player is yeah, first player right, for the next season, first player. which is it's. It's just, it's genius. It's yeah. so just well done. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't come up with the, uh, enough good words to say about a lot of his mechanics. So 2015. Which is uh, currently 2015. Sometime right. Sometime this summer, Essen, somewhere in there. There's the, what was going to be called Son of o- or Sons of Odin. Right. But it's Hengist. Which any idea what that means? It means the gist of hen. I, I don't. I have no idea. What, <laughs> it's probably some. It, I'm guessing it's German, Nordic word oh, for, or, or, okay. for chicken thief or something. <laughs> um, it, it is a uh, Viking themed complex worker placement game that I want to be here tomorrow. Right. <laughs> uh, some people have described it as Agricola or Fields of Arl meets Patchwork. Which, okay, the first half, we're all on boards with... The first uh, two-thirds. Right. Arla and Agricola. And I've yet to hear anything bad about Patchwork, so yay. Um, I'm curious to see what kind of playtime it's going to be looking at. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a shorter game like Patchwork or Glass Road, or if it's going to be on the longer side like Fields of Arl, Agricola, etc. Looking at the pictures of the... It's going to be on the longer... I hope so. I saw the same pictures, but I hope so. Um, It also sounds like it's going to be... Expensive, lots of bits, like Caverna was expensive. Um, maybe it's going to be a seven-player Viking game. <laughs> the uh, and you do have to feed your Vikings. There is the uh, upkeep, but you have to feed them a balanced diet of vegetables and meat, from what I understand. Well, I mean, you 
Yeah. A good Viking must eat his peas, apparently. <laughs> um, you get to uh, hunt and collect resources. Sounds like there's uh, a little bit of looting going on there. I don't know if that's a mechanic or you loot from other players or something right. like that. Um, there's a main game board, like in Fields of Arla. There's the main yep. board and your own board. And so a lot of that action action drafting Ooh. Is, is, is taken on the main board. Um, and there's some resource refining, like you find in many Uwe Rosenberg games, where you know this this good becomes that good, which becomes that good. Right, so, you have resource conversion, resource right. tree, or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, you acquire ships for both travel and whaling. Hello, Vikings. And by travel, I mean raiding and settling. Rock on. Yeah. And um, you earn income and stuff. This is all very unclear to me still, but. You arrange things on this tableau, and this tableau is like a like a spreadsheet, a grid of numbers that you start covering things up, and it it appears that the numbers left exposed indicate some victory point scoring kind of a thing at the end of the game. So it looks looks kind of like you have to Tetris in your pieces to get the most optimal coverage or something. That would be where the patchwork aspect comes in. Oh yeah, in. maybe so, yeah. maybe so. So, um, yeah. Looking forward to it. Insta buy for yeah, me. I mean, a, it's absolutely. Vikings and uh, and Uva, Uva Rosenberg right. and when worker placement and action yeah. drafting. Action drafting. Sorry. So, <laughs> anyway, any other things from his catalog jumped out at you? No, I, I we didn't leave off. No, our... I, and like we said earlier, there's going to be a lot of we didn't hit on some of the more obscure games. Right. Um, right. There's one. Just... There's one I'm going to talk about as we move into the next thing that that is a little obscure. So. Oh. Let's uh, let's move on to the next thing. All right. So in our next thing, let's talk about our top five Rosenbergs. And we we don't have to go into descriptions or anything like that. Just just a ranking of them. And I'll, I'll even start. Okay. With See, number five. And, and I hate ranking. It's so hard. Like the, you're talking to a guy who doesn't have a number one game. I don't know what it is. But all you have to do is consider a handful of Rosenbergs. Sure, but then to rank them one through five... Uh, go ahead. Go. At the Gates of Loyang, my number five. It's also my number five. And the only reason I can definitively say it's not higher is I haven't played it enough. Sure. What's your four? My four is Fields of Arl. Okay. Yours? Caverna. Oh, all right. My three? Agricola. My third... Lahav. Lahav? Yep. Your two? Is Agricola. Agricola. Mine is Aura et Labora. All right. And my number one's Lahav. There you go. And mine is Aura et Labora. <laughs> right on. Um, and to be honest with you, I did Aura et Labora as number one in the anticipation that the reprint is going to spawn more yeah. buildings in Aura et Labora. I enjoy Dude, the that game. would be, yeah. I enjoy the game more than Agricola, although it's super, super close. I'm sorry. I enjoy it more than Lahav, and it's close because I I could have drawn all three or Labora, Agricola, or Lahav. Could have put them in any order and been okay. fine with. Um, but the I enjoy or Labora more than Lahav. But the only reason I would edge Lahav higher is because the variability with mm -hmm. the buildings. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could have told you what your top five are and probably, probably what my <laughs> top five are. So yeah, so I don't know if that's a. That's a big non-surprise to people. Yeah. <laughs> so besides Hengist, uh, what Uwe Rosenberg game that you have not tried would you most like to try next? Um, 
I get well. Okay, outside of the Viking one, um, but right besides Hengus, a lot of Uva Rosenberg's obscure games are card games, which there's nothing wrong with card games, mm-hmm. but those don't interest me as much as things with boards. Yeah, I guess sure. Um, so I guess it would be patchwork. The key being mm-hmm. that I haven't played. I would say right. the well, game. Well, well, that's what I'm asking. Right, you have not played the game. I'm most looking forward to play to getting to the table again soon. Probably gets a Wang. Awesome. Just because I every time I'm like, yeah, I want to play that, and then we we just never do. And it's yeah. not a fault of anybody. It's just we have a lot of games. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, I guess it would be patchwork because I want to hear, I want to see, I want to experience this fantastic, you know, lighter forty-five minute whatever sure. length game that everyone's talking about, and just haven't gotten around to it. So I assume this is going to be your obscure-er game. Yeah. So mine is Farmerama. It was a twenty twelve, and um, it's not heavy. It might not even be medium. It um, they're they're wheels. I love wheels. Um, he's just, he's just, they're wheels. He's simple at times, folks. <laughs> don't mind, don't Most mind, times. Don't mind Tony. <laughs> um, it does offer the ability to play your opponent by predicting what they're going to do with, with some cards, a la Glass Road. And um, it looks to me like Glass Road on a farm. You're growing different vegetables farming. You know, <laughs> um, Shocker. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that it that it won't be a long-lived game for me. You know, it looks kind of family weight, maybe. You know, my wife might like it, kind of a weight. And um, She plays craftsman. Don't, don't sell her that's, short. That's don't fair, sell, that's fair. And owns you with craftsman, right, yeah, so let's not sell her short. But it's more than me. I, I, I get but what you're saying. You know me. Like, I'm happy to rent a game yeah, for, yeah. for the experience. Like, let me buy it, bang it out a couple times. And then and, flip it. Yep. Nah. Get rid of. Sure. To me, flip implies profit. No, no. not necessarily. No, oh, okay. no you're renting gotcha. a game, gotcha. so you know yeah, you have a like, rental hey, fee. You'll sell it for. I pay forty bucks. Sell it for thirty bucks. Thirty bucks. I pay ten bucks to to try experience new, new stuff. There right? you go. That's, right. that's, that's what I'm. I'm into that. Yeah. So, so let's give a, a little summary and rating on Herr Rosenberg. All right, your summary first. I'll go summary, then I'll give a rating. Okay. Cool. Although, let's face it, everyone knows where this is going. To yeah, end yeah, we'll yeah. Ahead. So short and sweet then. I totally respect his catalog, and I really appreciate the hours and hours of fun and social camaraderie that uh, Herr Rosenberg's designs have have given me and my friends. Yeah, I, I not much to add to that. Just I'm glad he exists. I'm glad he decided to get into game design, and not just us, but the hobby as a whole is better off with Uwe Rosenberg in it. Um, so with that said, uh, rating one to six, six being Hall of Fame. Well, let's go back one episode and let's talk Mount Rushmore. <laughs> so on both of our Mount Rushmores, Uva Rosenberg was on it. Yeah. Can you give him anything other than a six? For me, the answer is no. It's no. obviously a six. Yeah. Um, Clear Hall of Famer. With my top five alone, well, even if you took Gates of Loyang out. You, that still leaves you Agricola, Ort, Labor, Lahav, and Fields of Arl. Yeah. There were people that would kill their children to have a record that good. <laughs> Not to mention Bonanza, which is a huge hit back right. in the day. Um, yeah, yeah, just 
Yeah, six. Clearly a six. Well, uh, Mr. Rosenberg from the from the heavy cardboard guys, thank you very much. So I assume that's a six for you. Oh yeah, clear, <laughs> clear hall. I said clear hall of famer. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, cool. Six. Yeah, seriously, thanks for all you keep it up, and uh, you got a couple fans here in uh, heavy cardboard. That's Uva Rosenberg. With last night being the big season-ending episode of Game of Thrones, where. No, not going to do that to you guys. Uh, I felt like it was a good time to kind of ask you a non-gaming issue. It came up. It, okay. It's been big on social media today. It's been big in mainstream, actually. Um, in and, mainstream, too. And, okay. yeah, uh, like CNN, whatever. They had an article on it and stuff like that, Wall Street Journal, etc. Okay. Even though I know you don't watch much by way of TV as uh-huh. far as, like, series and, and stuff like that, uh, my question for you is... What do you think about spoilers? It, should there be an amount of time that's socially acceptable for spoilers <laughs> to be thrown out there? Um, and does consideration of others come into play? I'll, I'll throw that to you. Obviously, I have my own take. I'll, I'll go first. Fine. Okay. All right. My thinking on spoilers is the, the show aired last night. I believe it's season five currently right now. But I... Let me talk specifically about Game of Thrones for a minute. It's season five. People who have not read the books have spent five years now of their lives, you know, during the season of mm-hmm. a show, being invested in the show. <clears throat> okay. I think it is way out of line for anybody to put it out there, the spoiler, to any of the big events that have happened in the show's history before a reasonable amount of time. What's a reasonable amount of time? I don't know. A week? Yeah. Two weeks? I don't know. Um, but I just think it's just a lack of consideration in with social media nowadays and mm. everything. It's all anonymous and stuff like that. Have and you met the internet? I, I know. <laughs> and I just... it's. I guess it just bums me out, man. Like, what's the point of putting a spoiler out there? Like, this Whoa. soon... This soon after it aired... What positive comes out of it? Why can't you just wait? Because if if you've invested all this amount of time into and you know the proverbial blood, sweat, and tears that you've invested in this show, who am I to go and ruin it for you? Whatever the big reveal or whatever the big thing is, big picture. Not even just I'm talking not just Game of Thrones. Just I don't get. Is it just to be a dick? You know, is it, is it probably, I mean, to some, because like, I mean, this is the, the information age, right? Like the oh, age of trolls. I've got a scoop. You know, everybody wants to be the, you know, I mean, maybe this is the wrong way to think about it, but like, I haven't been invested in a show, you know, until like uh, Walking Dead and Sopranos, right? Okay. So All right. I don't, sure. I don't watch much TV. Right. It's got to have mafia, vampires or zombies, or I won't watch it. Um, so when Sopranos ended, guess where I was? Watching it. But, okay, let's say you you had season, a newborn. Season ending of Walking Dead, guess where I was? Watching it. <laughs> but would you go out and spoil it because somebody else couldn't no, watch ab- it? Absolutely not. That's my point. But also, I'm, you know, I mean, I don't want to be spoiled either, so I watched it. Valid. I guess my point... Not always possible. 
And that, and that's right. all I'm saying. What if somebody had to work late and they couldn't watch it right. or whatever? Or maybe yeah. this, I don't know. This was on Mike and Mike this morning on the radio, where he was talking about he has to DVR college football games and watch them at three in the morning and divorce himself from all social media until he, I mean. So it's just it's not just Game of Thrones. Here, here, here's my point: you can talk about what happened last night on Game of Thrones without saying what it was. You can be like, oh my god, I can't believe this happened. And you can actually can have a conversation without spoiling it for the rest of yeah. the world. That's yeah. anyway, that's my rant. That's maybe I'm old fashioned. I just think just just uh, I zip it. I, in general, the world is a far less considerate place than it was five, ten, uh, you know. Yeah. It's, it, can it you makes, imagine fifty years from now? It makes me sad. And uh I've debated whether or not to say this sentence to you, considering you just became a grandfather. But would you believe that's one of the reasons that Amanda and I don't want to have kids? I don't like what society's becoming in that respect. And so we're not... That's a fair statement. You know? Um, So it's just... Yeah. Anyway, off my soapbox, I'm done. All All right. right. Yeah, let's like You're not done. Well, no, because I want to throw you some questions. Yeah, I'm curious. You, so, you, you it's been a while me... since I've given you the uh, psycho- psychological testing. Right. So you you told me that you were going to have some questions for me. Yes. You refused to give me any hints. Yeah. So, yes. so I mean, no, I, and no. they're they're simple stuff. It's not, right. nothing nothing crazy. But um, <clears throat> so all right, I'll, I'm throw, ready now. I'll throw them out. I'll you answer. Okay. I'll answer. I'll okay. go to the next one. Okay. Do you keep game inserts? As a general rule, no. no. Um, there's one Turfmaster uh-huh. that I just got. It's perfect. It, yeah. it, it it fits perfectly to where it sits. The up horses and, snap in. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as a general rule, no. Insert comes out. Everything gets bagged. Yeah. So for me, insert comes out unless there's some really like fantastic. Oh sure. my god, this insert. Well, here's okay. the here here's one exception. Lords of Waterdeep has a fantastic insert. As long as you keep it horizontal. Mm-hmm. You turn that puppy uh, vertical, <laughs> which is how I store my oh, games, yeah. bad stuff happens. So, And I know there are companies out there, I want to say the Broken Token? Yeah. Broken Meep something? Yeah, Broken I, Token, I think. They make um, the, the, the laser cut stuff? Yeah, they, 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 there are some really cool inserts out there. But for me, baggies I'm so, cool with. So if you don't keep an insert, mm-hmm. or you're going to acquire a game that doesn't have an insert, does that diminish the, the trade, ba- trade value? Not in the least to me. Um, if somebody's anal about it, uh, at the beginning of our auctions, I'm going to start putting inserts may or may not be included. Right. If you have a question, inquire yes, right. first. Um, but even if... And with both of us, chances are not included. Right, right. right. Uh, but to me, it's it doesn't sure. decrease the value in the least. Because so, if it's out of shrink, I expect it's you know in good condition but played. I'm not getting it for... The insert, the right. box, and the components I want in good shape right. or disclosed. So maybe you answer this when I say, "Are you a bagger or a plastic boxer?" Oh, uh, the funny, <laughs> funny thing uh, is, is when we first got in the hobby. Well, not first, but when this started happening, um, I'm pointing at all the, the the games behind me. We found deals for. Um, uh, I can't think of the plus. Oh, God. Uh, God. Planos. Thank Planos. you. Yeah, it went out of my head, too. And uh, like when we had Memoir 44 and, uh, and Battle Lore and all that, we had the big, um, like, two foot or foot and a half wide by two foot tall 
by a foot deep drawers. Drawer, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we have about a dozen of those still. And we have about a case and a half of Planos. And we found we really don't like them. We prefer baggies. Yeah. The reason being... We have a bunch of these containers little from glass. Ikea, which are little glass. They're or, a boat of candle holders. Yes. Yeah. And we have, I don't know, two dozen of yeah, these. Yeah, um, And we also use the uh, little silicone... Cupcake. Uh, yeah, muffin or mm-hmm. cupcake holders, mm-hmm. which are fantastic. Yes. Um, if they can't can... hold a muffin, then please let them hold game parts. Right. And so, that, to me, this is far more easy to get the out. stuff right in, yeah. And then pour it right back into the Ziploc. I'm, I'm a bagger. Yeah. yeah the, I think there's only two games I have boxes in. Go ahead. Castles of Burgundy. Okay. We or, did. We right. did, but we've gone to bags. Cool. And um, Trajan, both felts for whatever reason. <laughs> there, there is one exception to that rule, um, and that's Antiquity. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Antiquity has approximately 6 billion little chits. Correct. Um, so that's the exception to the rule cool. that has planos. Plus, the box is huge, so it has room for two planos in it. Expansions. One yes. game, one box? Or do you keep expansions in their boxes? Uh, me? If it fits in the box, it's going in the box. Punt on the expansion box. I half agree with that. Um, if the space is becoming a serious premium, um, if we've opened the expansion, because sometimes you get it and you just haven't gotten around to it, um, in that case, then it stays in shrink until we play it. Once we play it, though, if it fits in the base game box, or mm-hmm. whichever box is bigger... I should say, sure. which more often than not is the base is the game, base game right. but not always. Whichever box is bigger, the game goes into that. The expansion, if it's modular and there's you see yourself not playing with the expansion all the time, it gets bagged separately. Like, for instance, in 1830, in Mayfair's edition, they have a ton of different variants in everything. Right. Those variants get bagged separately. Yeah. But if it's something that I know is going to be included in the game, for instance, Village Inn or Village Port, mm-hmm. then that all gets bagged together. Okay. Where we differ, though, yeah. is on the expansion box. No way am I throwing that away. Oh, yeah. I have a closet in the spare bedroom, and that is purely for resale. If it's a game... Okay, well, that that was my, my next follow-up question, is how does the one-game-one-box mon- mantra affect resale? The reason I keep expansion boxes is some people would prefer to have the expansion box and would pay more if you had the expansion box to mm-hmm. go with it, mm-hmm. even if everything's contained in the base game. And so, I, and I'm not all about price gouging. I'm not doing no, anything no, no, like no. that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that... Hey, you know, maybe they would bid if it had the expansion box, whereas they wouldn't bid gotcha. in a BGG auction. And so for that reason, now if it's a game I'm sure is just never going away and it has an expansion, then I might consider getting rid of the box. Huh. Here's the kicker. Okay. There is a geek list, uh, a spare parts geek list on BGG where people ask for all kinds of oddball things. I had, I think we still do... A uh, a box for the expansion for El Grande for the original expansion that was that came separate. 
I offered it up on the spare parts. Does anybody want the empty box? You pay the shipping, but you can just have it. Um, just to kind of be a team player type thing. And so if instead of just throwing it away, maybe look at that geek list and offering it up to you know be a good Samaritan. It's no no harm off you. You throw it in a shipping container, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, UPS or uh, postal service flat rate, and they pay for it. If they're willing to pay for it, good I'm on just them. like an anti-hoarder, so... I'm trying to I, get I don't need there. the box. I'm and, trying to get there. And if you don't want the game because the expansion's in the box, well, cool. Somebody else will get it. <laughs> so, Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, here's a sentence. The only way to keep them perfect is to never use them. That is a sentence confirmed. Confirmed. So, like... So... Uh, uh, let me answer it, and it'll, it'll, give, okay. it'll give you what I, the clue okay. to what I mean. I... Expect to play my games, and I expect there to be occasional accidents or oopsies, and something might get soiled or damaged. And while that sucks, uh, I'm not going to stroke out about it because I'm not OCD in real life. You mean CDO? CDO. Right. Um, sucks. You know. You know. Usually, the person will. You know. Hopefully, it doesn't really happen very often, right? Sure. They'll, they'll acknowledge. Oh. Sh- Replace your game or whatever, right? Whatever. Right. Well, it depends how bad. Right, how bad, right, right, right. But, I mean, it's going to get used. It, there's going to be wear. There's going to be... This comes from... Where's a, that piece? This comes from a guy who sleeves his cards. That I find ironic. I, well, I, well, that protects them. But, like, that protects the cards. But it's going to get worn. So you're the okay with that. The sleeve will get worn. No, I'm just saying you're saying it's okay. Games are meant to be played. I'm not saying. Which I agree. Yeah, but I mean, you can take precautions. You can't sleeve a board. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> right? uh, uh, I see where you're you going. You got to use okay, protection. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I'm not, how, how, like, freaky are you about, hey, don't touch that with that finger? Well, at the beginning of every game day, as you know, the first question I ask <laughs> is, has anyone eaten... Eating potato chips. That's right. We today. don't want you to have to wash your games. Right. No, I'm kidding. It's an inside joke for those that get those listeners that get it. Anyway, um, no, I'm not that anal. I am. I ask people to be smart about Absolutely. it. But the gamers that we game with are respectful gamers. Um, and I, if it were an expensive game, and something got ruined, it depends on. I would never feel the need to ask you to replace a game. At the same time, I know you're the type of guy that if it got trashed, you spilt a beer on it, and yeah. it's just, you know... Out comes the check. <laughs> right, yeah, right, exactly. Um, so, I games are... There is no game in my collection, no matter how valuable it is, whether it's Saturn or whether it's, you know, our custom Civ... All the God's Playground, whatever. All these games are meant to be played. We own. We do not own a game that is strictly a showpiece. Right. You know. Um, so with that said, take precautions. We 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 have side tables that we use when we game. Mm-hmm. We have coasters. We ask people sealed drinks. Right. We ask people to. You know, everyone's yeah. pretty smart, but just as a we reminder, don't eat Cheetos. Um, Cool. I, so, I, I am a little CDO when it comes to my bo- box facing. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, it must be facing to the right, and it, the 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 back and I, the and the top of the box must what match I don't the right size. How how you're sitting here when not all the games are perfectly even with the. I no that that's just gonna happen. Right. I'm not that bad. <laughs> but no, I. I so. <laughs> so let me ask you this last question. We just put the game away. Yeah. We got an extra baggie. What did we What did we put away wrong? Uh, whatever. I don't okay. don't care. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's fine. No. Just trying. I'm to, not that nuts. Just you know, trying to plumb the depth of your insanity. No. The funny thing is, is my I, I actually had no. You know, that happens all the time. I had none of these until I met Amanda, and now like I gotta have the boxes facing a certain <laughs> way. The fronts and backs gotta match. It just I don't. I blame her. Well, the end. Thanks for your indulgence. Yeah. All right. Um, so I got I got one last thing for you. Right. I know it's running a little long, so we'll we'll wind up or whatever. There's a geek list by a user on Board Game Geek called Old Man Merton. Okay. His geek I can list. Relate. <laughs> Grandpa Merton. Uh, his geek list is titled "Obscure Games That You Own and Love," and how did you find them? Right. Uh, I mean, after all, how we're heavy cardboard. So we can't review a game till it's long out of print anyways, according to some people, right? Yeah. Um, I'll go first to give you time to think, okay? Okay. Uh, I have a lot of somewhat obscure games. Um, not all that I love because there are some that I haven't played yet, but that might fit that criteria. Namibia would be one. Um, stuff like that. How I find these is Geek Buddies on BGG. Um, back in the day would turn me on the games. Nowadays, I just, I keep my ears up for stuff that sounds interesting and that somebody mentions. There's currently the high and mighty, uh, the high and mighty, uh, math trade that the, you know, it's mostly for grail games. There's three copies of Saturn in this. There's yeah. a copy of God's play. There, there's a, there's a copy of the Polish version of God's play. Uh, my point is you just, you just explore. Is how I find out about sure, it. Sure. So my one game that I think that's pretty obscure, um, and I got turned on to it by people talking, saying that it's a really mean auction game, and I've talked about it many times on the podcast, and it's Neue Heimat, um, which is, it's now out of print. Apparently right. the company has gone on, or no longer exists, whatever the case, and I'm really, really glad I have it. It's a fantastic auction game. So, so have I stalled long enough? Yes. Okay. So speaking of uh, Noya Heimat, though, hey Kleiker, if you're listening, I want my copy. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> it's a killer game. It really is. Um, okay, so love. I don't know, man. Love might be a. Or that you enjoy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, Kashgar, the. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's only in German, right? Right, right. Uh, Merchants of the Silk Road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's only in German. That's pretty obscure, and that, that's that's a pretty fun game. And I found out about it just by, like you said, exploring. Mm-hmm. Just like, clicking around. Kind of going down One click holes. goes to another. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> suddenly it's 90 minutes later, and yeah. Um, and you're not wearing pants anymore. You're that's not, so weird. Oh, I am. Um, <laughs> Edo? Is uh, not Yato, but Edo yeah, is Edo, right? Right. It's okay. it's by the Maltz brothers, who were two thirds of the Rococo team with Matthias Kramer. Okay. Um, that one's that one's pretty cool and obscure. I don't really hear anything about that. 
um, and maybe maybe City Tycoon. Have you? I, I have a German copy of that because I couldn't freaking find an American copy. <laughs> Chad's got one, not Paul yeah, Chad, but Chad. Chad, right, Chad, yeah. yeah. And uh, I thought that was that was pretty cool. It was interesting. Okay. A lot of ways, a little wonkage. So okay. I think that one's kind of obscure. I don't okay. know. I don't we, know. We, you, you and I have different levels. Well, you yeah, don't own but, that But many I don't obscure. have roads and boats in Indonesia. Sure, and, sure. And, I, I'm going to have Great Zimbabwe. Is that obscure? I don't think it's obscure because people know about it. Right. And, right? And the, people know about roads and boats. Right. Okay. Maybe it's not well owned. Right. I don't think it's obscure. Okay. That's fair. Like Kashgar. Would be obscure. Would be and a, not a perfect. It's one. only yeah. no. Yeah. I think I, yeah. I think that's a perfect example. That's cool. Interesting. So question. I, I'm curious. Well, I want to go. I need to go see his geek list. Yeah. It's it. Well, it's not his geek list. It's hey, what do you people can add the to geek it? List. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So I, I would ask that people check out. Go into the guild. Somebody start a thread hmm. on it. And I'm curious to to go. You know, see what people sure. come up with. Because right plus, that's a good way to find out about other obscure games. That's right? one right there. Uruk. Ur- Uruk yeah. too. Yeah. Got yeah. this. Uh, in fact, Paul Chad went to Essen last year brought it and back. brought it back. Yeah, yeah, and I know they had uh, copies at BGG. I got mine there. Stuff. Yep. So through, but you. yeah, yeah. Cool. So uh, a little fun and on a fun note tonight. Awesome. All right. Well, I hope our listeners and viewers have enjoyed our change of pace episode here in 26. Good way to end the first season of Heavy Cardboard. I think so, I and, so. and I certainly, yeah, certainly hope. I so. had fun with it, and researching was fun. It was indeed. So on the way out this evening, let's remind everybody one more time about Game Surplus, our fantastic sponsor. GameSurplus.com is their website. Check out their inventory. Every uh, every Friday they post a little blurb on there about what has newly arrived in their inventory, and they uh, Velma and, and you talk. And yeah, Vel- Velma gives uh, us a heads up on Friday morning, Friday afternoon, what's coming in, what's restocked, or what's new. Mm-hmm. So if you follow us on Twitter. Uh, you'll be the first to know, and because a lot of these come in yeah. on limited quantities. They get five copies of something you might want to know. Right. So you can follow us on uh, Twitter at Heavy Cardboard, uh, Facebook Heavy Cardboard. Our email is contact at heavycardboard.com, and our website, heavycardboard.com, and YouTube, Heavy Cardboard Vids. So check us out, uh, contact us, leave us ratings, reviews. Email us, talk to us. We want to interact with you guys. So, um, yeah. Do we want to tell them what next episode is? Because, dude, I, I'm not going to be able to keep it in for two weeks. Yes, you will. <sighs> this will be fun watching him like, blow up until he gets Yeah, it's, it's going to be another a little, uh, totally different for us. We haven't done um, one of these episodes yet. It'll be and, very cool. And hope you guys enjoy it. And until that, hopefully we hear from you. We'll catch you all in a couple weeks. I'll pack this up. You get Gates of Lo Yang out. Deal. All right. All right. Cool. All right. Later, man. Later.